I'm not a public speaker, which should gather, but can you turn with me to Luke, or sorry, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, just going to read a few verses of scripture. John chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 6 to 13. John chapter 1, verse 6. And the word of God says, There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Land the reading there for now. Verse 13. You know, we're only saved by God's will. God empowers and God saves. It's nothing to do with us. If you go back to verse 12 a little second. But as many as received him to them give he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. I wonder, believer, do you really understand what place the Lord Jesus has given us? That he's given us power to become the sons of God. I mean, we ought to take that in every day and thank the Lord. And if you're not saved, if you're not a believer, you have to, we're going to have to get serious. You're going to have to get serious. You're going to have to think how short life can be. And how long life could be. But at the end of the day, how long or how short is that compared to eternity? And our sister Sandra spoke two weeks ago. And she told us about her son, Joel, who didn't get to his earthly home again that night. I was in the same meeting as Joel that night in Randallstown. And I got to my earthly home that night. But Joel got to his heavenly home. And I don't know, I'm not trying to scare you tonight to think that maybe you're here unsaved and you'll not get home tonight. Another Sunday night, maybe. But does the word of God not say, Behold, now is accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Anyway, I was born in 1987. Um, and growing up, I wanted for nothing. I was born into a home where I don't think my parents could have loved me anymore. I physically had every single thing I could have wanted. I had more Man United football tops that you could have asked for. I had ski electrics, I had PlayStation, I had anything you wanted. Um, there was in the high school in Cookstown, and I went there eventually, but they got me anything we wanted, and we went to church on Sundays, most Sundays, so physically I had all I needed, but spiritually I had very little. The church we went to, it, it, it was zero good. <laughs> I don't even know how to word it. It did me no good. Um, they, they didn't care about our spiritual need. They literally just wanted us to come in, be baptized as infants, go through and attend Sunday school and get confirmed. All those things which I did. But when my parents went to work every day, I was sent to a nanny. So my nanny lived around, not too far from our home. Um, and my wee nanny, she, she was a, a brethren lady, so she used to sing to me every single day. She used to sing Jesus Loves Me to me. She used to sing all the choruses. I'm sure a lot of you know Victor Hutchison, the boy with the squeeze box. He was on their cassette player regularly, and I probably still can remember every verse of every chorus that he sung. But that's 
that was an influence to me as a little boy from probably nine months old, right up until I was end of primary school, I used to go there. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite funny now, actually, because that wee gospel hall where they used to attend, when me and Viola, we built our house over in Tullylagan. We, we look right over to Tullylagan Gospel Hall at our living room window now. And I just think how often they were praying for us there and how they were praying for me to come to the Lord. Um, so just, just to encourage you, if you're praying for someone, um, over in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. You might wonder what I'm reading that verse for and how that refers to it, but if you don't faint in prayer for someone, if you keep praying on for them to get saved, if you keep praying on that the Lord would speak to them, what does the Lord say? He says, For in due season we shall reap. So pray on, believer. Don't, don't give up praying for someone. I just want to encourage you to pray on that your family will get saved, that your friends will get saved. As I went on up through school then, into primary school, into secondary school, I got into bits of bother, different things. Um, I frequented the headmaster's office a lot in primary school. Uh, not so much in secondary school, because my parents were there. I had too many eyes on me. Mrs. Riddle can <laughs> testify to me being not too bad in school. Um, but primary school was a different, a different um, case. I see maybe she wouldn't tell you that good. Um, but I got into trouble. I would have been fighting a bit in different nights. I would have, in my early teenage years, I would have taken um, alcohol and stuff and come home not in a good state. But let's not give any time to the, to the devil tonight and what he can tempt you with. But right up into my GCSEs, um, there was a few events happened around that time. So in the March of that year, um, I came home one day. I played hockey for Cookstown and for the school as well. I suppose in Dungannon that's kind of a girls' sport, but in Cookstown that's a real thing the boys do as well. Um, and I came home one Monday after work, after school, sorry. Um, my mother brought me home. My father was away at a, at a meeting. So my brother had already left at this time to go to university. So me and my mother and my wee sister came home in the car and I went into the house and went to the kitchen obviously because we were probably starving. It was probably half five or six so we went into the kitchen. But the kitchen was a real mess. It was really strange. And then I looked to my right uh, out into the dining room and the dining room was covered in glass. The sunroom was covered in glass. So it kind of hit me that oh, somebody's been in the house and has reacted on us. Um, so what I did then was I said to my mother and sister, I go into the uh, living room and I glad now that the person was no longer in the house but I had my hockey stick and I was very tempted to find them with it uh, I thought this would be a good way to teach them a lesson but I'm glad they weren't there any longer they had already left and then that was the Monday so if you can imagine then this, the next Sunday evening uh, these are just a series of events that happened that stand out to me uh, on the Sunday evening then our, it was about half twelve or twelve o'clock midnight um, we were all in bed and our door was bang, bang, bang. The doorbell was going. Uh, there was a lot of shouting. We didn't know what was going on. So me and my father went downstairs. And it was actually the, the, the lady from across the road. Her husband had taken a heart attack in the bathroom of their house. So we went straight across the road. Um, he, was, he, was, he was gone straight away. He, he didn't have any, any opportunity. He was only in his early 50s. Um, so then that next week, I went to the funeral service. Um, which was in the Roman Catholic Chapel in Cookstown. Um, and this was very strange for me because I had never been in a service like this before. Uh, there was a lot of things that were strange. We probably stood out like a sore thumb, but we were there anyway because they were our neighbours and I didn't really think anything of it. So I started asking a lot of questions after that. Uh, there was like a lot of incense being burnt and different... Um, lanterns and things, it was strange, a lot of people were buying as they came in um, so I asked a lot of questions I've asked a lot of questions particularly to a friend of mine, Jonathan who was, uh, me and him got, got friendly in first year at high school I didn't know him before then but so we met in first year, we were about 11 or 12 and he was a Christian and he witnessed to me throughout all those years so up to now then I had my nanny who was my, a witness to me from a young age then I had Johnny, who was a witness to me from first year. 
Um, and then I got, I can't almost remember where I got this, but I got this little gospel track. And it's one of the Czech publications and it says, this is your life. Or this was your life, sorry. Um, and it's very, it's very good. Uh, now when I read it, it, um, it takes you through a man's life and how he literally thinks he has lots of time. The, the verse at the very start is Luke 12 and 19. And it goes, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then the, the death comes upon him, and it says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then it goes on, it shows the man um, in cartoon format being buried and his soul rising out of the ground and then being carried away to the judgment. And then he stands before the Lord in a picture here. And it shows his life. It shows all the pictures of his life and all the things he did. And then there's a verse here. If I can, actually, the Lord asks the, the book of life to be opened and his name doesn't appear. And I was reading this track at home and I'd love to remember where I got it, but I, I can't. And then it says this verse. It goes, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that's Revelation 20 and 15. And then this wee thing comes up and it goes, this can be your life. Because the verse then below that is 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then it kind of shows the way that he would maybe go if he had asked the Lord into his heart. So I, I have one of these... Um, I got Beulah one a couple of years ago just to keep in our Bible. And then Billy kind of gave me another one yesterday, so, or this morning. So if anybody um, here and you're not saved, I really encourage you to come and take one of these off me. I have three of them, so I'm quite sure there's, there's people here that need to read these and need to, and need to come out for the Lord and need to get saved tonight. Um, so really, I couldn't resist the Lord's call anymore. I had, the Lord was speaking to me. He'd been speaking to me for years. But really now, this was really just probing my heart. So one night, in my bedroom, at home, unknown to anyone, I called upon the Lord. And you know what? He saved me there and then. There was no bang. There was no anything. I just, the Lord was just in my heart then. And he's still there today. And he'll never leave me there. He's there forever. And you know what? The Lord's been faithful to me since. I haven't been faithful to the Lord. You can ask anyone who knows me. I fail him all the time. So what I did is I got my driving test then the year after. And I wanted to find a church that I could learn in and I could be taught uh, properly. So it's quite a hard thing to do, leave the home church when your family are there. You could see it's, it's, a, it's, a, different, it's a different thing. Um, so I continued on. I, got, I, got, I went to a few different meetings, different places. Um, finished up school and I went to Jordanstown. And I then went around different meetings up there too. And then I started going to the Youth Fellowship in Kirkstown, in the Free Presbyterian Church in Kirkstown. Um, it, was, it was good, I really enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, one night, in the Youth Fellowship, I saw this girl sitting. Um, and that was, that was really good. I was glad. I was like, that, 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 that's nice there. So there was one problem, but her father was the youth leader of the Youth Fellowship. So I found it really hard to get any time to um, talk to her, I suppose, on my own. Um, so, but we jumped that hurdle, and I finally asked her to go on a date. Um, and that date was to Castle Derg um, Palm Parade, I imagine. So we went to Castle Derg, and she, uh, she's still with me. She's actually my wife, which is sitting down there with my children. But I didn't put her off too much, even though... The burger that I bought her that night. Imagine buying a burger on your first date. I bought her a burger, and I think the plastic was still in the cheese from my memory. But it didn't put her off. So uh, we sought the Lord's will from the start. So what we said to each other was we need to know if, if this is right. So it wasn't easy. We thought, obviously, when you get over the initial, this is great having a girlfriend, having a boyfriend. Um, but the devil came straight in there because I think we wanted to know what God wanted. The devil just came straight in and, and got at us. And he, he really got at Beulah, to be honest. He really got at Beulah, and she says, we can't go out any longer. I didn't really want to hear that. So 
we really, Beulah has all the verses from, as far as I know, she'd asked her, but Beulah has all the verses written down that the Lord showed her at that time. We didn't see each other for a wee while, um, but then when the Lord really confirmed it to us that we were to get married, we were back together and we got engaged. Um, and then we were married in 2011. So we're 10 years married this year. And we've been blessed every day. We have been blessed every day since we got married. But it's not a smooth road every day. It's really not a smooth road. Um, we moved to Lisburn when we got married. We got married in Cookstown. We moved to Lisburn because I was working up there in 2011. Then we had little Sophie in 2012. I got a new job then in 2012 back in Cookstown. So I was driving back the other way. Then we had, um, yeah, at that point, at 20, 2012 actually, we were around at Beulah's mum and dad's for dinner one Sunday, and they said to us, there's a site, or there's a field beside us, if you ever thought you could build. Um, it was just a field, it wasn't a site as such, so we said, well, what do we need to do? Uh, we, we really prayed about that, and the Lord gave Beulah lots of verses, and the, one of the main verses sticks out in my head is that... Um, the, father thy land, the land thy father possesses, go and possess it. So that verse was, was given to Beulah several times in different readings. So we thought, this is, this is good. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, so we got a mobile home and we stuck it on the field. And we brought Sophie down the road from Lisburn and three of us moved into the mobile. Um, we thought this would probably be quite a, a year, maybe, or a couple of years to get done. But we ended up having Gemma Kate then. She was in the mobile home then. That was 2013. So Sophie's 2012, Jamie was 2013. 2014 was Faith. Um, and then, all of a sudden, we were thinking we were doing the Lord's will. And then the hard time came. And the hard time was that we couldn't get a mortgage. We were getting grief from some neighbours because we were trying to build. My granny passed away. Beulah was pregnant with our fourth child. And she lost the baby. I got a new boss at work who was unworkable for her. And then we sort of said to each other, I thought this was the Lord's will. We had spent our money on getting a site into, uh, or sorry, getting a field into a site. So we had spent money on architects, we had spent money on land transfer, we had spent money on getting electric, getting water. We had spent probably £15,000 and we had nothing left. And now we had a mobile on a site that we couldn't do anything because we couldn't get mortgage. But Anxiety then come to me, and I'd never had anxiety or stress or anything in my life. Um, my heart rate went up through the roof, and I ended up in Andrew Hospital, and I couldn't understand what it was. And you know, this is actually quite funny now, but the, the doctor that came in to see me, he says, oh, don't worry about it. The, the way to cure that racing heart is, is we'll open you up, and we'll just burn this bit off your heart that causes you your heart to race. So me lying there in the bed, and telling this boy telling me he's going to... Let me open and burn off half my heart. That's really going to settle you down. But I'm glad he went off duty and another doctor got me and he didn't do that at all. He just said, relax. And he gave me some stuff. I don't know what happened. But I came home and I was off work for a week. Um, and I remember lying in that wee caravan bedroom. I wasn't really wanting to talk to anybody. I didn't really want to... The whole anxiety was, was going through me. And I remember looking out the window. It was a February time. And I remember lying in the, in the mobile and looking out the window at the clear blue sky... And I just, the verse just came to me and I just kept saying, be still and know that I am God. And I just was looking up at the sky and I must have lay for hours each day and just looked through it. And then Johnny that I was telling you about, his wife texted Beulah one day. Nicola, she texted Beulah a verse. She texted her the verse in Philippians. I'm going to read it to you because you'll know it anyway. Uh, Philippians 4. Philippians 4 and 7. And Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that was for me, because my mind was somewhere I'd never been before. My heart was going mad, but my heart and mind was just kept through the Lord. But anyway, I don't know how the Lord did all these things, but he did. We got the house built. We moved into the house in 2016, in July. And that later, that year, that, later on that year, the Lord gave me a new job, and I'm still in that job today. Then we'll, we're in the house a few years. Nothing really major happened. 2018, little Abigail was born. Um, and I, I was to go and get an operation in the Causeway Hospital on the 17th of August. 
and Abigail was due to be born in September. So I says, right, we'll get it done in a couple of weeks, and then Abigail will be born and we'll have to do stuff again. So I was ready to go to the hospital that morning. We got to bed the night before, and about half one in the morning, Bella goes, we need to go to the hospital. And I was like, not going to 10 o'clock, or half eight, or whatever. No, she meant Abigail was ready to come out. So we ended up in Craigavon. We had Abigail at four o'clock in the morning. I'll be able to have again at four o'clock in the morning. Then I got home and I went to the causeway and got an operation. But it was mighty because then it meant we I had four weeks off work, recovering from what I had done. Bula was at home with all the babies. It was just a great time, family time. We had like a month together just where we didn't leave the house. Um, and then in 2020, little James came, came along. And then this November, we are <laughs> going to have another little child. So that'll be number six now. Um, within the 10 years so I think we did rightly but over the last 12 months I'm not going to keep you too much longer but over the last 12 months um, you don't need me to tell you but the Lord's been doing a real sifting of his people um, sorry the last 18 months should I say but in the last 12 months the Lord's really been speaking to me and Beulah um, he showed us different verses in scripture to not go back to the church we were attending um, he's brought us over here and he's really just been he's really just been blessing us um, beyond what we deserve, and we're really thankful for um, everybody here. And I just would like to encourage you again to pray on for those that aren't saved, those in your family. That verse in Galatians. Um, so if you don't faint in prayer, the Lord will honour it, and He'll answer your prayer and He'll save that person. Just like my wee nanny prayed for sixteen years for me, she prayed on. I know she prayed on, and Johnny prayed for me. Met me to I could see it five or six years later. And in this little track, I'm not sure where it came from. But there was one time along when I was talking there, I meant to say to you about uh, whenever uh, we couldn't get a mortgage and we had all our money spent and we were living in the caravan. The car broke down on us. And we actually hadn't any money to put into the car at all. But we went round to my mum and dad's one day for lunch, or I think it was maybe one afternoon. And dad just gave me an envelope and he goes, somebody left that in the post box yesterday. And the car had been out of the mechanic. And you know what? You, you will believe it. The money in that envelope was the exact money the mechanic needed to fix the car. And Dad doesn't know who it was. I still don't know who it was to this day. But you know what? The Lord knows. And the Lord put that in somebody's heart to just sort that out for us. That's just one little example. He did it many a time. Um, I don't deserve it. And I don't want you to stand up, me, me to stand up here and you think that I'm perfect and I'm great and look what I can do. Or I'm anyway righteous or worthy. All I know is I just know the Lord Jesus and he's righteous and he's worthy and he's perfect and you need to believe him and you need to get saved. So if you're not saved, please come and take one of these. If you haven't come to see me, I'll leave them on the wee table out in the foyer there and you can get them as you go home. And if you want any more, um, Paul's promised to get me more this week. So I'll leave more there for next week. But um, I trust the Lord will get some glory out of this. Thank you. If you have your Bible, thank you very much, uh, Ryan. If you have your Bible, we're turning to a few verses tonight as we close the meeting. If you have your Bible, we're turning to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 26, Ezekiel chapter 26. And if you want a word after the meeting with our brother Ryan, he'll be there at the door to speak to you. It's lovely to hear what the Lord can do, not only in saving a soul, but keeping lives. And that's what we're interested in tonight, is to see the Lord Move in your life. Ezekiel chapter 26, please, and down to the last verse of Scripture, and then we're going over into the New Testament uh, for a few uh, verses there. We'll not keep you long tonight. You'll be out in good time. Verse 21 of Ezekiel chapter 26. I will make thee a terror, and thou shalt be no more. Though thou be sought for, Yet shalt thou never be found again, saith the Lord. Let me read a part of that verse to you again. Though thou be sought for, yet shalt thou never be found again, saith the Lord. I want you to come over to Mark's Gospel, please. Mark's Gospel in chapter 3. You'll come to your New Testament. You'll come to Matthew. And the second book of your New Testament is Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, please. 
And if you cast your eye down to verse 28, the Lord Jesus speaking, and he said, Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never, never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Just over to the ninth chapter, please, of the same book, Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. And we have one more verse after this. And you'll be able to keep your Bible open there. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and verse 43. The Lord Jesus speaking again, and he says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Finally, please, over to John's Gospel. You'll come on over to your right. You'll come, Mark. Then you'll come through Luke, and you'll come to John's Gospel. And John's Gospel, chapter 10, please. And to the verse 27. John's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse 27. Jesus speaking, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. I want you just to concentrate for a moment or two as we come to the end of the meeting tonight. We live in a world where nearly anything can happen. I'm sure even whenever you talk to your family or those that you meet at work, you're nearly in the state now that you wouldn't be surprised what happens anymore. Seems to be every day there's a new thing comes along. Something happens that never happened before. But I want to close this meeting tonight by talking to you about four things that will never happen. Four things from the Word of God that can never and will never happen. The first thing I want to talk to you about tonight, and I want you to listen to me, I want to talk to you about a sin that can never be forgiven. A sin that can never be forgiven. Every one of us in this meeting tonight are guilty of sin. Irrespective of your age. Irrespective of how wealthy you may be. Irrespective of how educated you are. We're all sinners by nature. We're all sinners by birth. But I want to talk to you tonight and I want to tell you that there's a sin that you as a sinner tonight that are not saved could commit and you could even commit it tonight that can never be forgiven. You see, just in the previous verse, the Lord Jesus almost seemed to contradict himself. He said, all manner of sins shall be forgiven. And you could go through the list of sins that maybe you are very guilty of even here tonight. Maybe there's someone and you're guilty of adultery. You've looked upon another man or woman with lust in your heart. Maybe you're guilty of murder tonight. You spilled innocent blood. Maybe you've stolen things. Maybe you've blasphemed the name of the Lord. Maybe you've told lie after lie, whatever the sins that you have committed down through your life. And the Lord Jesus said, all manner of sin shall be forgiven. And I want to tell you, dear friends, tonight that there's power in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in this meeting to save and cleanse your soul. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder tonight, do you realize that you need to be forgiven? You see, there's some people, whenever they sin, they go to a man and they confess it. 
But we, can, we, we need to confess our sins to God. We need to go straight to the Lord. Seven men in your Bible said, I have sinned. And I often say in the open air, here in Ireland we're experts at seeing the faults and flaws in the lives of others. But I want you just for a moment tonight under the canopy of heaven and under the all-seeing eye of God, I want you, sinner, tonight to discover something about your own sin. Not your husband's sin. Not your parents' sin. Your own sin. Because Moses could say to the children of Israel, be sure your sin will find you out. The prophet Isaiah, he could say, your sin and your iniquity have separated between you and God. And I'm glad tonight that the Lord Jesus in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, he could stand at the bedside of a young man and this is what he could say. He said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. And you could be in this meeting tonight with a multitude of sin behind you, enough sin to damn a thousand men. But I want to tell you, dear friends, tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ had power, and thank God he still has power, to forgive sin. But I want you to think about the sin that you could commit tonight that he can't forgive. You see, dear friends, tonight, whenever the Lord Jesus was speaking here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, He speaks about those that were mocking the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Lord Jesus delivered a man from demonic power, there was those, there was the Pharisees and Sadducees, they mocked him and they laughed at him. And the Lord Jesus could turn and look into their eyes and he says, men, let me tell you, all manner of sins, I can forgive them. I can forgive the adulterer. I can forgive the murderer. I can forgive the thief. I can forgive the liar. But I can't forgive those that mock and blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to your friends tonight, while you may not be able to commit that very same sin tonight, this is a sin that you could commit that you will never be forgiven. God, the Holy Ghost, could speak to you in this meeting and you could silence them for the last time. God, the Holy Spirit tonight, could pinpoint maybe some young man Some young woman could speak into the very depths of your soul and could say to you, you don't have what Ryan has. You could die in your sin tonight. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy that the Holy Ghost speaketh. I wonder what he's been speaking to you. I wonder has he been telling you about the sin in your life? I wonder, has he been telling you about the eternity to come? I wonder, has he been speaking to you about that day whenever you alone will stand before your Creator? And he's been speaking. But you know, God spoke to Herod. And old Herod, that old ungodly king, he silenced the voice of God. And God never spoke to him again. And there could be somebody in this very meeting tonight and you could say in the very silence of your own heart, I've heard it all before. Oh, I know I'm a sinner. I know that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I've heard the truth that the Lord Jesus died for me. I've heard it all a thousand times. I don't want to hear it anymore. Maybe that's what you're saying tonight. And the Holy Spirit, that blessed third person of the Trinity, could just take his flight tonight. And he'd never speak again. Never. Never. Never speak again. But not only does the Holy Spirit speak, he strives. Strives with men and women. That word to strive is the word to plead. 
The word is to agonize over, and maybe there's someone in this very meeting tonight, and I believe there is. I, for many a year, God has been striving with you. He's striving with you in the car accident. Striving with you whenever you were down in the hospital ward. Striving with you whenever everything went wrong and no one else knew anything about it. And the gentle dove of heaven began to speak to you and strive with you and pleaded with you to get saved. But you pushed him out of the way. And just like the dove, the story is told of the man who, who stood in his backyard and he, he held the corn in his hand and the little dove came down from the rooftop and, and just as the dove was about to snatch the corn, he closed his hand and the dove fluttered away. And then he opened his hand again and the, the dove had came down and made an attempt to get the corn. He snatched his hand closed again. And he did it again, and the dove went up to the rooftop for the last time and flew away. You see, dear friends, tonight I want to impress upon your heart what God has been impressing on mine. Don't play with God. Don't play with God. Northern Ireland is full of men and women that know the gospel. Northern Ireland is full of men and women that Know everything about the the blessed work of the cross. Know their need to be saved. Know the reality of hell. And time and time again, the Spirit has spoke to them. Time and time again, in the night watches, in the moonlight hour, God, the Holy Ghost, has pleaded to silence the voice of God. Whenever Stephen, he stood and before the religious leaders of Jerusalem, he said, why do you always resist the Holy Ghost? You know, dear friends, tonight in this meeting, you could silence the voice of God for the last time, and it'll be a sin that will never be forgiven. You could rebel against the Spirit of God tonight and chase Him away and resist Him, For the last time, and unbeknownst to anyone else in this meeting, you could step over a line that you'll never cross again. Never. 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 And the blessed dove of heaven will just retreat. Not only does the Spirit of God speak, and not only does he strive, he convicts. Because the Lord Jesus in Mark John's Gospel, chapter 16, he said, When he, the Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And I believe even tonight in this, this little hall, there's those that you know very well what it's like to be under conviction. I can remember whenever I was under conviction. Many believers in this meeting tonight, you can look back to a time in your life when God, the Holy Spirit, weighed heavy upon your life and you could hardly sleep. You could hardly work every thought that went through your mind was, I'm not right with God. And I need to get right with God. And he was convicting of sin, my sin, my past. Not only convicting of sin, but of judgment. It's coming a day when the books will be open. And we can hide and we can juke and we can cover and we can deny down here all we want. But we can't hide from God. You see, every lie that you've told, sir, your wife maybe never heard about it, but God heard it and he wrote it in a book. You see, every act of lust that went through your mind, young woman or lady in the meeting tonight, every act of lust that went through your mind, no one else knew anything about it, but the eye of omnipotent God saw it, and a scribe in heaven penned it down. And it's there at this very moment. And the Spirit of God would come again, and he says, look, you need to get this sin dealt with. 
You need to have your past forgiven. You need to ask the Lord to save you. And the Spirit of God will weigh heavy upon you. He'll speak to you. He'll strive you, strive with you. He'll, he'll draw near time and time again. And you could say in this meeting tonight, away with you. I don't want to hear it anymore. You know, maybe even in this meeting, you don't use those words, but you'll say, I'll not get saved tonight, but I'll get saved next week. I want to tell you, dear friends, in this meeting, you could overstep a line that will seal your eternal destiny for all of eternity. You see, you can't get saved when you want. You can go to the doctor when you want. You can go to the dentist when you want. You can get an appointment with anybody else that you want, but you can't get saved when you want. Today, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I could take you to a man tonight over in my part of the country, heading away up near Money Moor, Mockerfelt direction, that was in a meeting, and God spoke to him. And you know whenever God speaks to you, You'll know whenever there's a voice above the voice of the preacher. You'll know whenever God, the Holy Ghost, draws near and you get uncomfortable in your soul. And you know it. And he knew it. And God, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, bore down upon that man that night in the meeting. And he says, Lord, not tonight. And I could take you to him this evening. And you know what he'll tell you? God has never spoke to me since. Don't play with God. You see, Esau sold his birthright away back in Hebrews chapter 12. He sold it just for a little pot of soup. And I wonder what you're selling your soul for tonight. Maybe a night out. Maybe a night with the lads. Or maybe in the drink or the drugs. And you say, Lord, one more night. And it was only one bowl of soup. And he sold his birthright. But you know, whenever he tried to get it back, he wept and he cried. But he can never get it. You see, there's a sin that you could commit tonight that can never be forgiven. But not only is there a sin that can never be forgiven, I want you to think quickly of a fire that will never be quenched. There's been some tremendous fires down through the world history. In 1666, there was a man, he was a baker, and he was closing his baker's shop at the end of the day. And out of the kiln, he opened the kiln, and one little spark came out of the kiln and landed in a hay shed just across the street. And it started the Great London Fire, and over 100,000 men and women were homeless. But the fire went out. In the late 1800s, there was the Great Chicago Fire. But I want to tell you that fire went out. You remember the great fires in California only a year or two ago where the flame was traveling over 30 mile an hour. They couldn't even outrun it. Barbecued and burnt their houses and their cars and their fortune. But the fire went out. You remember the fires in Greece only a few weeks ago. When men and women millionaires were bailing on the boats, leaving their mansions behind, and it all went up in smoke, and they escaped on the skin of their teeth. But the fires in Greece have gone out. And I want to tell you, dear sinner, tonight in this meeting, that there's a fire that will never go out. The Word of God tells me that it's from beneath. And if you were to die in this very meeting, your soul, your body would slump in the seat, but your soul would go down, 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 down into the chasms of a lost eternity where the Lord Jesus said, the worm dieth not, and the fire is never quenched. It'll never go out. It's a lake of fire. Revelation 20. It's a lasting fire that'll never go out. But the thing that troubled my mind last night as I lay in bed, this is the thing that troubled my soul. It's a literal fire. 
You say to me, Stephen, how do you know it's a literal fire? Well, I want to tell you what the Lord Jesus said. He said there was a man, he was a rich man, he fared sumptuously every day. And it says the rich man died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, he said, he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, for I am tormented in this flame. I'll tell you, dear friends, that man's still there tonight. The flames of a lost eternity that will never, never, never go out. Millions down through the centuries of time have overstepped the mark. And tonight they're out in a lost sinner's hell. But you know, it's not only literal. Here's another thing that disturbed me in the midnight watch. It's eternal. Because I want to tell you, dear friends, there's men and women that have stepped over the mark, maybe even today, and hell has no exits. You're not there for probation. You'll not be there for a day or a week or a month or two years or a hundred years or a million years. Said the hymn writer of a bygone day, I'm lost for a long eternity. Eternity. Oh, eternity. I'm lost for a long, it's long. It's going to be long. It's going to be long. Long. Long eternity. Your mother that prayed for you will not be there, son. Your husband that wept for you, mother, you will not be there. And I'm lost. I'm lost. It's a long eternity. You know that same man, he said, send Lazarus back, he says. He says, send Lazarus back to my father's house for a five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I want to tell you, dear friend, tonight in the meeting that you're not saved. You're religious and you're good and you're upright and you're moral and you're a good person and all the rest of it. But if you're not saved, this is the place. This is the place where you could end up before tonight is out. Final destination. Lost through a long eternity. And you know, even as we're in this lovely hall tonight, would to God that the Lord would open the chasms of a lost eternity. My, to hear them tonight. Those that were on gospel missions. Those that read the texts on the trees in Northern Ireland. Those that listened to the gospel for years. Those that knew John's gospel 3 verse 16. And tonight they say, I've put it off and I'm lost. It's too late. Too late. Too late. Sad, sad, that bitter wheel. Almost but lost. I tell you, dear friends, there's a verse that came to mind this morning in Ezekiel 21 and 32. Listen to this. It says, And God said, Thou shalt be as fuel to the fire. Did you ever see a bit of coal burning the fire? But that little coal after an hour or two, it'll be gone. But you see that body that you have tonight that you've committed all your sinning, all the drinking and all the carousing and all the immorality and all the lies and all the lust ones through your mind. Not only will your soul go down, friends, there's coming a day when your body will go down, that instrument that you use to rebel against God. Down. Down as fuel for the fire. This place that I'm talking to you tonight is a place that's unquenchable. It's unbearable. But soul in the meeting tonight that you're still not saved, listen to this. For you, it's unavoidable. If you don't get saved. 
The Lord Jesus looked into the eyes of the religious leaders and this is what he said, How shall ye escape the damnation of hell? And I want to ask you tonight, if my heart is broken, how are you going to escape? Oh, I'm a religion, it'll not do it. I'll plant it, not do it, your time will not do it. I made a profession, it'll not do it, friend. How shall ye escape the damnation of hell? No escape. No escape. One of the most saddest things about hell is not the fire. I'll tell you what, one of the most solemn things about hell is this. It's the memory. The memory. Because that man that is there, even at this very moment, Abraham could say to him, Son, remember. Remember. Remember the gospel tech that you were given on the street. Do you remember the nights that you went down home and you saw your mother pray? Remember. Remember the night that God spoke to you? Remember opportunity after opportunity, warning after warning, a put in your path to stop you to think and consider your latter end. Son, remember. Remember. You see, it says it's a place where the worm dies not. Never die. There's those tonight down in that chasms of flames, and you know what they're doing. If they can run, they'll be running around, and this is what they'll be crying. Open, open up. Man, open up, open the door. Those were the men and women in Noah's day that mocked, laughed at Noah, and says, Noah, you're a fool. God's not going to come in judgment. But there was a day whenever the rain fell, and there's a day whenever the door was shut. And you started, I'm sure, to bang in the side of the ark and say, no, stop playing games now. It's time to open up. And their memory to this very night's haunting. I'll tell you, there's a man there tonight and he's rubbing his hands and he's looking down in his hands and he says, oh, I want to get it off. I would love to get it off. I can't get it off. He's pilot. He tried to wash the blood of the Savior off with water, but he couldn't get it off and he still can't get it off. It's the memory. There's a man there tonight and he says almost. My, I was almost through. I remember whenever the apostle preached. Never heard preaching like it. My, I was almost persuaded. But I'm lost. But I want to ask you a question as I go on. What would you cry if you were there tonight? What would you cry? Would you be crying? I remember that night, that Sunday night. My parents or my family or my husband took me to the wee church at the side of the Moy Road. My, I remember a night whenever a man gave his testimony, told us about the goodness of God, and there was a man that closed the meeting and he wept over souls, told me I needed to get saved, and I never done it. I wonder, will you stay Stephen Riddle? Stephen Riddle, I want to get saved now. Stephen Riddle, will you come back and preach to me now? Oh, I want to get saved now. You see the memory? There's a sin that you could commit tonight that could never be forgiven. There's a fire tonight that could be quenched or started tonight and is started that will never be quenched. We read in Ezekiel, and we haven't got time to turn to it tonight, but in Ezekiel chapter 26, we read about a person that will never be found. Because the moment that you die in your sin, there's no second chance. Friend, this world is a world of chances. Chances all around us. But you haven't got a second chance whenever it comes to God. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And though ye be sought for, ye shall never be found. And you know your mother and father could pray for you and your relatives could cry unto God for you. But the moment you die, it's over. It's gone. It's too late. It's too late for the man in Luke 16. Too late. Too late for many of people that we've we've known over the years. It's too late. But for you tonight, you're just right at at the right time. 
the right time. But not only is there a fire that shall never be quenched and a sin that shall never be forgiven, let me close by telling you a promise that shall never be broken. Because in John's Gospel, chapter 10, the Lord Jesus said those tremendous words. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And you could be in this meeting tonight, the deepest sinner died, your life stained with sin. I want to tell you that there's a man that died for you. And on the center cross, all your sin was laid on him. And the Lord Jesus Christ made provision for you in the cross of Calvary that tonight in this very meeting, if you came as a sinner, a guilty, hell-deserving sinner, and says, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner, I'm guilty. But your son died for me. And I'm asking you tonight in the work of the cross to come into my heart and save me. He would save you in the very seat we sit. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never Never, never perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, listen to this, should not perish. Don't perish. So out in the open air yesterday and there's a dear brother come over and he said a few words and he reminded me of a story. He reminded me of that place on the great river the, 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 where the Niagara Falls is. There's a point that's just before the falls is called past the point of redemption. And there was a young man that was swimming out with his friends out in that river in the summer's evening and they were, they were refreshing themselves and they were enjoying their time in the river. And one of the friends, he went out into the current. And his friend says, you need to come back, you need to come back. There's a current out there. And he tried to show off and he was swimming and he was diving and he went in and then he came up for a wee while and went down again. He kept laughing. He says, boys, you aren't fit for this, but I am. I'll be all right. I've got plenty of time. But you know, he went down under the water and there's a current there, that strong current took him out. And his friends swam to the shoreline and they ran along. And they ran along the shore and says, man, come in. There's still time for you to come in. And he was still bravado. He still says, I'm all right. I have plenty of time. And you know, they came to that point in the river where his friends stood. And he went down. And they cried that tremendous cry. You've gone past redemption's point. I want to bring you face to face with God tonight. Because face to face with God someday you shall be. And on the cross of Calvary, he did everything that he could to save your soul. Put the punishment that was due upon you and I, upon his son. Laid the, the stripe of the wrath of God upon him. Raised him on the third day. Sent the message of the gospel out. Brought you into this hall tonight. The Spirit has been speaking, convicting. He would love to save you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't silence the voice of God now for the last time. Because it'll be a sin that you'll never be forgiven for. Let us pray. Father, we just bow in your presence tonight. We pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this hall that is not saved. Lord, it has troubled their own soul to think that there's so many tonight that are out in a lost eternity. So many, Lord, out in the fire. So many, Lord, out in the lost flames of a sinner's hell, and yet provision was made. 
There's not one of them that any need to be there. Lord, we pray over souls tonight in this meeting. We pray, Lord, to not be a man or a woman. Commit the sin of silence on God tonight. We pray that there'll be nobody trifle with the things of eternity. But oh, even like Ryan, Lord, even like Ryan, there'll be those that'll come to the foot of the Savior. God, we cry tonight that you'll burn into every one of our hearts the reality of heaven and the reality of hell. We ask that thou will part us now with thy fear and with thy blessing. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen.